Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. Fantastic. That was some awesome worship today, wasn't it? Man, that was fantastic. Um, heard the ladies had a wonderful retreat. You ladies that got away and sought the Lord, that was awesome. And uh, got some good feedback from that. So I think there was a real great deposit that uh, God has continued to lay in into our foundation here at Valley and into your lives. So, so happy for you. Um, we're in a series, Hope in the Future. And again, want to encourage you, if you miss any parts, please check it out on our app. You can go there and it'll link you right to any of the other messages that you missed and uh, get you all linked up there. Today we're in part five, okay? Part five of A Hope in the Future. And today's title is Understanding the Soul. Now we've made the transition here. We've talked about, spent a couple of weeks talking about the spirit. And if you missed that, again, you need to catch that because really this is cumulative. It all works together to help us understand how God has made us to be. What we've been learning is that we are a tripart being. We are a spirit, we are a soul, and we're a body. Yet all contained in this one vessel, it's very complex, but God is able to help us understand, and we have the word of God that helps us understand. You'll see that in a minute. But uh, so we're a tripart being, and God wants to bless us. So, so Jeremiah 29, a very familiar verse, you know, talks about how God wants to give us a hope in the future. And I'll read that again. Right now, for I know the plans I have for you. So God's got plans. He's got something for you. He's got something for me. He's got something for us. He's got a vision. Without a vision, my people perish. And God understands that. So he says, I've got plans. How are we going to get that? He says, so he's declared it. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. These are good plans. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So not only a hope for now, but a hope for the future. It's all wrapped up in hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And that's, that's critical. Sometimes we pray and we don't know if God's listening. We're not confident that God is hearing us. God says, I will hear you. But now he tells us how or, and we can be assured of that. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the only condition to all this, that you seek him with all your heart. We're gonna talk about how we can get a heart that is free to seek him today. I'm gonna help you find that going to help you uh, get your broadband fully on seek the Lord. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He says, so he says, I will be found by you. So God is saying, look, I will come out of the quiet place. I will come out and I will find you. I will, be, I will make myself known to you. And uh, that taps into so many other wonderful promises. And he declares it once again, and will bring you back from captivity. So captivity for the Israelites was going away and getting away from their Jerusalem, from their place of, 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 of their history, of their hope and future. And, God, and so God said, he's going to bring them back 70 years later. In the same way, God's going to bring us back. God is going to bring us back from our own captivity. Now, he's already done that. And we've learned about that as far as the spirit is concerned. But we're going deeper here today, folks. We're going deeper. So we know this is a promise that we can have. And, uh, but the goal is to find this hope in a future in a much more complex way, a more, let's get it deep into who we are. Not just a, a promise that is just out there, a, a hope of a hope in the future, but no, that's something we actually literally experience in our life. So in the spirit, we've talked about that God made that happen by 
of course, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We were born and dead in our trespasses and sins. Our spirit is resurrected from this death into new life. Jesus pointed this out. He said, you must be born again in order to experience the, the work of the spirit of God. Nicodemus, you should know that. Nicodemus didn't know it because he was not saved. He had a knowledge of the truth, but he did not have a personal relationship with God himself. God has made that possible through the work of the cross. And our spirits have been raised. Now we can have an intimate relationship with God. That's what worship was all about today. Talked about worship last week and how important that is a spiritual act. That is how you strengthen and become mighty in spirit. So now, again, we're going to make this transition of talking about the soul. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's got a burden for this, that Christians would begin to experience this hope in his future, this blessing, the favor of God in every aspect of our being. So in our spirit, to understand God more, in our soul, to be able to have our mind, our will, and our emotions caught up in that. In other words, to experience this love, this goodness, this favor, this hope in the future. And finally, physically, that'll be the last thing we talk about. And so he's pointing it out. And so he's saying, that's my prayer for you. Is that God sanctify you? We'll get into that a little more, what that means. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul. I want to, I want to go back to something that I really haven't <clears throat> spent much time on. But the word of God is alive. That's cool. It's alive. But it's only alive to the one whose spirit is attuned to it. The moment we give our life to Christ, the word of God becomes an, an incredible tool. It's, it's Jesus himself. It's God himself that then begins to inculcate. It comes into us, and it's, it's working, man. It's working, going to work on us to make us like Jesus. So he says, sharper than any double-edged sword. Why do we need a sword? Because it, we need to understand the difference between that which is spirit, that which is soul, and that which is body. Incredibly important to be able to function in this life, okay? Because without the Spirit of God, we walk in such a fashion in, in really kind of confusion. We're not able to parse the difference between who we are, and therefore, we're not able to know what we're listening to. Many different spiritual voices. There's also our soul voice. What, so that's what it's saying here. It allows us or helps us divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, or the body, and it judges, and I wrote in here just kind of some amplification, discerns and exposes. So discern, and I'm trying to give you both the positive and the negative. So discerning in a positive way, okay, what is it God saying? Uh, exposes in a kind of a negative way where my heart has gone a little bad, okay? And be able to take with this. It's only the word of God that's able to kind of cut it aside and say, okay, we need to work with this. You got a bad attitude here. There's a brokenness there. There is a level of, of brokenness that needs to be healed. And only the word of God is able to allow us and help us do that. And you'll see why. We'll, you'll see how here in just a bit. So it dis discerns and exposes the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Whew. Boy, that's the hardest part. Man, who knows their heart? Who ultimately really knows their heart? None of us do. What we think with good motive and what we're doing is actually tearing people down. Case in point, Paul himself. 
Paul thought he was helping God by persecuting the church, dragging off these evil Christians who are messing up the kingdom of God, who are messing up Jerusalem, who were, were, um, um, you know, uh, uh, messing with the word and and the hope of the Jews, when all the while he was working against God. Jesus had to appear to before him and said, Paul, what are you doing? You're working against me. And, where we, and, and, and so why is this important? Because I'm telling you right now, a good motive does not necessarily mean you're on the right track. And only God can help you sort that out. Only God. A lot of people with a lot of good motives, but those motives are driven by a selfish, greedy, broken, corrupt heart. How do we get there? Well, we're going to find out. So today we're going to focus on the soul. We've established an understanding that, again, we're a spirit. Now let's dig in with the soul. You know, what is the soul? We understand from studying scripture that the soul is the mind, it's the will, and the emotions. It is our mind. It is literally our brain, but it is our, the, the cogitation of our thoughts. It is the, the culmination of what we have learned. It is our experience. Our mind is made up of, of, of a complex uh, input of information, some good, mostly bad, okay? And, 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 and so the brain then comes to conclusions, makes decisions. Now, so it's, all it is is somewhat like a computer, and we can understand that. It's data. But now the will is important to all of it because now the will then has the volition as to what to do with that knowledge, okay? So the will is what takes the knowledge and decides, okay, Okay, what do, do I do this? Do I not do this? Is this? Do I feel good about this? And I actually just crossed over to the next aspect of our, of our soul. It's our emotions. Now, our emotions are incredibly important too because, and you may say, well, man, emotions are bad. No, 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 emotions are good. You'll notice that the fruit of the spirit all dwell in the emotions so that the love, can you feel the love? Yeah, absolutely. Joy, we can feel joy, Peace. Notice that the fruit of the spirit are imputed right into the soul to affect the emotions. It shouldn't make you feel bad. It should make you feel alive and filled with peace. Love, joy, peace, hope. That's always an indication of the presence of God, by the way. Okay, that, that fruit of the spirit, which is why it's called the fruit. It is an indicator. It is the offshoot. It is what springs forth from the presence of God. It's fruit. Okay, so emotions, incredibly important. So we shouldn't discount it. But on the other hand, what have we learned about emotions? You can't trust them, right? You can't trust them because sometimes our emotions are led in so many different directions, affected by our spiritual condition or even our physical condition. You feel badly, right? Your joints ache. I've been moving logs all weekend long. I'm feeling a little sore, right? And, or if you get sick to your stomach or you've you got a headache, it affects, and you've noticed how that when your physical body is, is hurting, how it affects your soul, doesn't it? It can make you feel sad. It can make you feel downcast. So, but, that, but the emotions are so incredibly important because they're indicative, but again, we're not supposed to live by them. Now, I'm going to say this early, and then we'll come back and I'll, I'll fill this in. Where the emotions goes so goes the soul, okay? So goes the soul. And so this is important for us to understand. 
and which is why God wants to bless us and, and, and have the fruit of the Spirit. Um, again, we'll take it apart. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself here. So it's difficult to separate spirit and soul. It is very difficult. But as with so many biblical truths, we can paint what we know and the image takes its shape. So, so many things. We can do our best to just fill in the blanks and then what is left is what we can then, you know, walk with. All right, so what should we know more about the soul? And I'm gonna just go through these seven points and then we'll get into the kind of the heart of what I really have for you today. The soul is corrupted because of sin. Now that's important for us to know. A theological point that's critically key to every human being, okay? It's called total depravity. We've learned about this, that we are born, uh, you know, broken in our sin, okay? Every human being, Paul established this in the book of Romans, but it goes, it, it's, it gets worse, all right? Now, before I get into the bad stuff, I want to tell you, we're just saying about how Jesus fixed this, Amen. And, and so the good news is that Jesus is the solution. He's got a hope and a future. He's going he's to set you free as he have already set you free. So got that established. Now let's go talk about the problem, okay? Because it's important you understand the problem. You'll see. Born totally corrupt. Now the world, on the other hand, is saying, no, 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 man has some good in him. And man is able to think himself out of a problem. Man is able to plan himself out of a problem. Man is able to use philosophy and all kinds of ways. And, and, and it's, it's called humanism. And it's basically the idea that man is basically good. Wrong. It's not biblical. No, man is born bad. Man is born totally corrupt. Now, if you've been taught that, it's not biblical. All right? If you want to be a Christian and you want to study the Bible, you want to believe in the Bible, then... Scratch that and believe what is true. That's the reason why you needed a savior. Because if we were born basically good, what would you need Jesus for? And doesn't the Bible tell us in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9 that it's by faith through grace so that no one would what? Boast. Okay? So none of us walks into this building today here bringing with you a measure of pre-goodness that you were born with. Sorry, Mm -mm, you weren't corrupted. Romans chapter 3 tells us that. And what it does is Paul describes what is called a sinful nature. Now, in the notes, I wrote nature with a question mark. Nature, what does that mean? Nature. It means we're bent. It means that we have a, a course that we naturally are magnetized toward. It's just like we try to run straight. It's like, it's like that person that takes the baseball bat and they run around it four or five times and they try to run straight and they're just, run. that's the way you're born. You can't run straight. Because of this thing called sin. It's try, you know, and so everyone thinks that they're free, but we're only free to do what we want to do, which is corrupted, not free to do what we ought to do, which is why we need a savior. Now, so born, totally depraved, theological point, incredibly important to set the stage for why we do need a savior. Number two, it, this, whole, this whole idea of, of corruption is made worse in this world by lies, okay? So look at it this way. We are very, very vulnerable to corruption. And therefore, we're born with some corruption and everybody has a certain level of corruption. And so, which is why you might argue with me, well, I didn't get exposed to a lot of bad stuff. And so, you know, I'm not that corrupt. Uh, no, -uh. just a little bit of corruption. I mean, if I got a glass of water and I put just a little bit of toilet water in it, would you drink it? Come on. It's mostly good water. 
Not a one of you would. And that's exactly your soul. All it takes is a drop. And God's already told us that that only takes a drop for us to be corrupted and no longer pure in his eyes, which is why we needed a savior. So don't go looking at people's goodness. Mm -mm. That's not going to take you anywhere good. It's made worse by lies of this world. So in other words, we're bent on it. The world is run by those who are professionally corrupt. And so uh, the Bible talks about the Babylonian spirit to describe in a spiritual way what was called the world system. The world system is run by a God with a little g. His name is Satan. And he very easily deceives, deceives those who have no, are not alive in their spirit, but their minds are completely bent and they're easily magnetized into doing what is corrupt through all kinds of vain philosophies. And the appeal is often very selfish, very, very selfish, which is why selfishness and greed, death to the Christian, death to the Christian. When you start using greed and selfishness to control and manipulate people's minds, you're not playing with Jesus anymore. You're hanging out with the devil because that's his language. That's what he does. So, it, so our soul is drawn into this. So you can watch this in the world today. It's going on. We see the corruption of this and, 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 it's, and it's really ugly. So that you've got think tanks, you've got incredibly intelligent people, but, you know, once again, if, if the foundation is wrong, if, the, if it says that the, that the fool says in his heart that there is no God, so this person can be intelligent, incredibly intelligent, and, and a billionaire, and we got a lot of these billionaires uh, in our world today who have, are determined to fight against God. I mean, they come, sometimes they come out and say it, and literally say that the problem with this planet is Christians. If we could just get rid of Christianity, we know that that was a fine, uh, one of the foundations for communism, that, that religion was an opiate of the masses, and so they needed to snuff it out, and they still do today. What does that mean for us Christians? <laughs> what did Jesus say? They persecuted me. They will persecute you. You'll see why here in a second. Run by lies. And our soul is subjected, very easily attracted to these lies. And let me just go on to say this. These lies taste good. They feel good. And if they didn't, we wouldn't want to do it. You know, so the greed, oh, it feels good. I, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. The, the lust, well, we're talking passions, right? Feels good to jab, to attack, to, to do these things. I mean, we wouldn't do it if it didn't feel good. The soul is saved and sanctified, made holy by the work of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit, when we give our life to Christ, we, we come to, to, to ground zero, okay? We, we get back to a place where we are now free to choose. Now, here's the important part of this, folks, is that he didn't save you to take over you and make you a robot so that you, I am a Christian. I mean, you're not gonna do that. No, no, he levels the playing field. He says, now I've set your soul free. Your mind is free to believe what you choose to believe and put in it. Your will is free to choose to do what is right. And your emotions are now free to receive the Holy Spirit and let it flow. So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here today. Again, Jesus sets us free so that we can now grow. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to help you do it. Isn't that cool? Why, why in other words, would he be called a counselor? if he wasn't ready to come alongside you and say, okay, look, 
I know you're bummed about your sin. What you just did is making you sad. It's called guilt. You have this thing called conviction. And I'm here to press on that button. Conviction. Always to let you know, this is an area that I'm ready to help you with. I am ready to help you move forward. Find out what the source is. Where is it coming from? So let me jump ahead because I think it's important you understand that right here. Emotions are the pain of your soul. Negative emotions. Okay? Your body has aches and pains. Your body lets you know when you're sick. Your emotions will let you know when you're sick. Okay? So if there's a disquiet, if there's a lack of peace, matter of fact, if there's depression and chaos on the inside, your soul is trying to tell you there's something, a lie you've believed, a choice that you made, that you yourself, especially as a Christian, the Holy Spirit's trying to sell you, tell you, beep, 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 beep. You need to reverse engineer this thing. As the choice of the soul, so goes the emotions. Now, the problem here, folks, is that what we're trying to do is medicate this away. We try to take a pill and try to take away the bad feelings when the whole time your body's trying to tell you, I mean, your soul's trying to tell you, no, 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 this is, you've got to go in and find out the, the, some of the lies you've been, there are strongholds that have been built up here. And what is a stronghold? Well, it's a system of lies that we've believed. And a lot of times they're, they're longstanding. And we need the word of God, like that double-edged sword to go in there and divide it push it off to the side, cut it down to size. To That's where it is. There it is. That's the lie I've believed. And there's so many of them. Not nearly enough time to talk about that. But folks, I will tell you this. If you want to go to the next step on this thing, come to the Freedom Weekend, well, where Jamie and I will teach this thing to the nth degree and help you. We will load you up with tools and equipping you to help you experience freedom in your soul. Okay, I'm going to help you. So, but the, it's the Holy Spirit's job to make this happen. So that's important for you to understand that you're not left to yourself. Aren't you glad? You've got a partner. You've got a paraclete. You've got a helper who's come alongside who will help you find out what it is, lead you to the truth, and set you free. Isn't that what Jesus said? That the truth would what? Set us free. Okay? Don't have to run around the building seven times or do anything. You just have to say, Holy Spirit, would you please set me free? And I need to apply truth. Now, this is important. Just like a medication or a cancer drug or, or radiation needs to apply right directly to the infection, so the word of God has to be applied to the lie. Okay, you see what I'm saying? You can't just, you know, spread a bunch of truth around. Sometimes you've got to get specific. And you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, why are people always reacting to me? Why are my finances, am I always struggling in my finances? Why are people reacting to me? Why, 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 why do I not seem, why am I not seeing the hope in the future in my life? And yet I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I've been faithful, I've done this, I've done that. Look, God will show you. He will show you. The biggest question of your life is, or that I'm asking you right now, have you asked him? Have you taken the time to just say, Holy Spirit, you're my paraclete. You're my helper. You're my counselor. You're my friend. You're in this for me. Can you show me what it is that's causing this depression? Can you show me this, 
this pathway of chaos that I've been on? Can you help me get off of that? And what is it that has caused it? And the Holy Spirit will do it every time. I promise you, if you're listening, what did it say in John Jeremiah 29? I will give you a hope in the future. What? When you seek him with your whole heart. That's what you got to do. Now, that's a whole lot easier than you think. A whole lot easier. We'll get to that. Number four, God promises to restore our soul. Psalm 23, verse three. I love the word restoration, don't you? It's, it's so restoration means it takes the original art work and it just goes and cleans it up. So in other words, God is not going to change who you are, but he's going to take who he made you to be and restore you so that you become what it is that God always intended you to be. And so with, with a soul that is corrupted, we can never really be what God wants us to be. But as the more we ex experience this healing and this deliverance and this freedom, the more we, you know, more we take off the corruption that's on the original art of who we are, the more we get down and let, let the, the, the true, um, um, oh, what's that, that, that word that the, the talks about the shine, getting to the, the original shine. There's a word, can't think of it. Oh, well, gone. So... Well, the luster, that's one. That's good. It's getting closer. Um, but anyway, it, the more God cleans us up, the more we really shine. Isn't that cool? And that's what God wants for you. And, uh, but again, it assumes. When, when David said, you know, it's there in Psalm 23, he said, you restore my soul. That assumes that we need restoring. Absolutely. You restore it. And it's not just because I'm feeling sad today. Sometimes we need, whoo, Sometimes we need, to, we need the Holy Spirit to come in and do a complete reclamation project, right? And we would just need to come in. But, I mean, and, it, and it's not a good idea to go to the doctor and just say, okay, I've got this infection. I just really want you to only get half of it today. So can you just give me a drug that only deals with half the infection? Who's going to do that? No. We're going to go to the doctor and say, get it, get it all. And I will stay on the gurney. I will stay right where I need to be until I am fixed. And that pretty much describes our life, folks. To stay on the gurney, humble, submitted, yielding to our Savior, who knows exactly what we need to fix us. Number five, accepting Christ as Savior impacts our spirit, our soul, and our body immediately through the word of Christ. So the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ and you believe John 3, 16, and you believe Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. When you believe those things, those truths about salvation, boom, you're set. You could die today and you're going to heaven and the work is complete. But if he leaves you here, there's some business he's got to do with us. He wants us to experience the hope in the future. Paul knew this when he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What is the gain? Heaven. Live here means becoming more like who? Jesus. Becoming more like Christ. And that means every aspect of who we are. So that means if he leaves us here, he's got a hope and a future and a purpose for you here, but it all comes through becoming more and more like him. Now, thankfully, he doesn't do it all at the same time. Hallelujah. But it's more like kind of an onion peeling back the different layers. And, and so that's, all, that's why we talk about next step. What's your next step? What, okay, so as you go forward, you often will run into a new area of, of, of obstruction in your life. 
Maybe it's a faithful area of faithfulness. Maybe you see a new level of greed. Maybe you see a new level of anger and, and judgment and justification for your own sin. Maybe, maybe you actually go to what Paul says here in just a minute. How does it affect you? Romans chapter eight, let's jump ahead of that. This is Paul speaking. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh, the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Did you notice where this all takes place? Right here, in the head. It's all in your head. It is actually all in your head. It's what Paul is saying here. Is that why, where the mind focuses, so goes the soul. Isn't that interesting? So he's saying, look, when you think about things that are ugly and unkind and you're, you're stirring up gossip and you're, you're causing people to stumble with your words, when, when, you are caught, when you're a part of the problem and you're, you're stirring up all this junk, don't be surprised if, the, if it, it slaps you back because that's exactly what it will do. Look, look at James chapter four. What is this? It says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Does it not come from the lusts that burn within your members? Does it not come, essentially what James is saying, from faulty thinking and judgment? Now we're gonna get into three major areas that the Bible, Paul has absolutely put in stone in the book of Ephesians and Colossians, 1 Corinthians. It's all there, book of Galatians 2, all there at this Freedom Weekend. We'll show you that as long as you, if you can, if you can get this down to three or one of, one of those three areas, you will experience some amazing freedom, okay? And I've known many who have. But let's finish up the verse. Verse six, but well, uh, part B of verse one. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Verse six, the mind governed by the flesh is death. There's that word again. So we can have death in the spirit, born that way. We have death in the soul. What is that? What is death in the soul? Well, it's incredible sadness. It's despair. It's depression. It is a disquieted, you know, anybody can, it really is hopelessness. And did you know that people can die of hopelessness? You know, we know you watch, you've, you've watched the uh, survivor shows. I love watching those survivor shows. It's like, I don't know that's ever going to happen to me, but it's nice to know I'm covered. But anyway, but what they talk about is that hopelessness can put you, you can die faster with hopelessness than without food and without water and all that. If you give up, then your body just shuts down. Isn't that amazing? How intricately connected the soul is to the body? It's because we're all one. It's a package. It's, it's the integral to one another. So he's going on to say that, that it will cause death when the, when the mind is set on the flesh. And it's going to cause death in so many different ways. Death to you. In other words, man, I just don't feel happy in God. And death to everybody else. Because you're going to go around and spread that death. You're, and, and, and if you're not doing well, and if you're struggling, a lot of times out of our mouth will come discouraging words and we'll tear people down. And, it, and, and you know, it's the smell of death. It's like we carry a disease. So Paul talks about that many, in many cases within the church, that how sometimes when we become negative and we're, we're, we're even discouraging the, the, the innocent of heart by, by taking offenses and repeating those offenses, oh, it stinks, it's death. And it's more indicative of our soul if we're the one doing it. That's important to know. So the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Oh, 
Wow, that, you know, you can see that in the culture today. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but more and more and more what we're finding is that the lashing out of that which is good, really, really ugly things to assassinate people's character, to, to, to tear away at people. Because see, that's what the devil does. The devil, the devil wants to attack, kill, and destroy. He wants to tear people down. And so, and we know this to be true. Uh, the level of Christians and martyrdom right now is way up. All across, even in the, what they're doing is, of course, they understand that that's going to happen in, in hostile third world, co- world countries, especially Islamic world, uh, parts of the world. But even in the Western world, we're starting to see martyrs in the Western nations. Well, what we once considered Christianized, Judeo-Christian ethical nations. There's a hostility that is growing, and it's becoming more hostile to the people of God, to truth, to righteousness, to purity. Man, folks, it's getting ugly out there. But we must stand our ground, and I encourage you to stand your ground because truth is, we're winning. Because truth will always triumph over evil. That's a whole nother series. I'd love to jump in on that one right now, but can't. All right. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Now, what I'm, I'm the, the whole real purpose. Per, per, purpose of mentioning this verse is that when we have lies inside us, it becomes hostile to God. There is, an, there is an internal hostility where we will avoid it at all costs. We will, we will avoid it. And, 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 and a lot of times, and then we might even find ourselves lashing out at the concept of virginity, lashing out at a concept, if, especially if we see somebody trying to take a walk of purity, trying to raise their family in the fear of God, or, or try to do something that, with their finances or something to take a different course, that hostility that sometimes rises up even in Christians to attack that. That's because our minds are set on the wrong things. We haven't believed the truth. And that's always, I mean, look, anger, always indicative of, uh-oh, Lord, what, what's going on inside me? Our mind is corrupted when our minds are set on only what the flesh desires. John really points it out when he says, it, 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 he puts it together and says, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so it's through our eyes that we get focused on something that is negative. It's, it's with our eyes that we look at something and we are deceived. Okay, which is why Satan is an angel of light. He knows that. It's like, here you go. Come on. This looks really good. Just follow this. And then our livers are pierced with the the arrow. Proverbs chapter seven. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. And so that's through our passions, our, our appetites. And then the pride of life. Oh boy. Look, pride's the worst. Pride is the original sin. As a matter of fact, when it comes to counseling and teaching you 101 counseling, the core of everything in everybody's life and in my life, your life is pride. That's what starts it all. So we start with pride. And how do you slay pride? You bow your knee to the King of Kings. You surrender to your Savior. You, you, you assume it. Lord, if I've got a sin in my life, it's because of basically pride. I've told you that you're wrong and I'm right. And so you may say, no, 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 that's not true. I'm sorry, it is true. Because the more we walk in those things, whether it be idolatry, whether it be in bitterness, or whether it be in lust, immorality, we are telling God, you are not right, I am right. 
I am right. I am justified to hold on to my bitterness and resentment. I am justified to be able to continue to walk in immorality. Feels good. Everybody else is doing it. I am justified in walking in greed. What's mine is mine and what's mine, and I will continue to stack what is mine. And when God says, no, it's not, not any of it's yours. I'm just, it's on loan. And I'm giving it to you so that you will be a blessing. And you'll never outgive me. And the more you bless me, the more I'll pour into your life. That's another thing. So our will is co- corrupted too, guys. So our mind is corrupted through lies. Our, our, uh, our will is corrupted. Look at this. Paul points it out. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Now explain why. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. Can you, can you uh, relate to that? I can. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, like, you know, pay bills and things like that. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Inside, he, what he's saying is, if I am feeling badly at all about not doing the right thing, then the law is, is, is testifying to my, to my will. It's testifying to me that instantly I know instinctively the difference between good and evil. That's interesting, isn't it? That's, a noble, that's really more of a philosophical point, but still very powerful. For what I want to do, I, not, I do not do, and what I hate to do, that's what I do. And if I do what I do not, okay, I did that. Verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who, do, who, who is doing this, but it's sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no, yeah, I know it's a little confusing. Hang in there. I'll help you. Right, it's Dr. Seuss, Paul doing his Dr. Seuss rendition there. <laughs> All right, Paul, can we just get right to the point here? But anyway, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me. That's what he's trying to point out. He says, I, <laughs> he said, I'm out of control. All right, this is David's version. I am out of control. Why? because of this thing called sin. Now, it sets up beautifully for Romans chapter 8. And he goes, who will deliver me from this body of death? But Romans chapter 8, most, most wonderful chapter in the Bible. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So he's saying, notice how he says, already did justification. The ongoing work of this is the sanctifying part. The more we submit to this reality, to this truth, the more the grace of God comes in like a flood and helps us. Begins to help us see the truth, begin to apply the truth. Lifelong journey to deal with my selfishness. Lifelong journey to deal with my pride. Lifelong journey to see the layer after layer after layer of even my own self-deception that even using religion, even using goodness to try to deceive and control people. That's how ugly it can get. Which is why we need the word of God to help us discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Because see, we can deceive ourselves so easily. And you know what? If somebody confronts you with truth and you react to it, whew, Lord help you. 
Because what God wants in us is a tenderness. God wants us to, when, when we're rebuked and, and, or, or truth comes our way, you know what we need to do? We just need to flop on the ground. Just, just in our soul, just flop to the ground and say, God, you got me. I know I need help. That's the attitude we need. Because in the Holy Spirit, isn't that what Peter said? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the who? Who remembers? You should know this verse now, folks. Come on. God, that's right. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Wow, that really kind of takes it down to a pretty important point when it comes to freedom. All God needs is a humble spirit. All God needs is a mind that is focused on truth, a will that's submitted to his will, and guess what will happen? The emotions will follow. The emotions will follow. Again, re reverse engineering this. If, and, and this is a counseling 101 thing. If you're feeling bad in your soul, there's a lack of peace, of joy, there's, there's, there's disquietness in here, then backtrack. What lie have you believed? What have you been thinking about that's negative and not good? And what choices have you made with your will? Okay? Go back to those two things, and my friend, you will find freedom because guess what? The Holy Spirit will show you. Now, so there's the macro view of this. Hey, let's take it down to the micro view of this. And that's what's incredibly fun, is that we can get to the point where we are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit's lack of peace that we will be able to just say, man, I am like a, I'm, I'm like a horse in the Western style, right, Andrea, where they put, just put the, the bridle on the neck of the horse, and the horse knows to go that way that we've got that kind of sensitivity. And I love my pastor, one of my pastors, Jerry Daly, when he talked about that, that whole concept of keeping his soul happy in God, I really latched a hold of that. And he asked himself the question, okay, what, where have I gone? What, what lie have I believed? So anger begins to grow. Depression begins to grow. Fear begins to grow. Backtrack. All right, what have I been, what have I been thinking about? Oh, shoot, yeah, I, I, I opened the door there. The moment I began to doubt God was going to be able to take care of me, the moment I began to see that, 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 uh, little, te uh, that little commercial on that had the list of all the different disease, uh, symptoms of a particular disease, and you're going, I got every one of those. <laughs> Shoot. And all of a sudden, fear comes in. We got to backtrack, and we need to learn how to do that. Okay? The problem is if, if, if a stronghold, a lie that we've believed for a long time gets stuck in like a tick, then we're going to need a little help. And we're going to help you do that. We're going to help you do it. So again, our emotions will follow suit. The mind is governed by the spirit, is life and peace. Notice that's an emotion. When God is there, you will sense that peace. And I ask you that question here today. Have you ever known peace? Real peace. I mean, were you just like, I'm good. I could die today. I'm good. I don't fear about my future. I'm not afraid of my past. So-and-so just said something to me or about me. And you know what? I'm Hezekiah today. You sent me a letter that accusing me or telling me what's going to happen to me. Here, God, it's for you. Because... Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, Jesus, I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. And now there, there are good habits that we need to learn. How to forgive and move on. 
how to resist the devil and heal freely, how to say like David, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Sometimes we need to use our volition in a way that helps our soul get free. You know what I mean by that? That means sometimes you just have to say, doggone it. Soul, I'm tired of this. I've got every reason to be happy right now. What's wrong? Put my hope in God. Begin to read the word. Begin to remind ourselves. Where, where, and what's that? Mind. Mind over matter is actually somewhat true. So let me ask you this as we finish. Do you want to live in peace and joy? Oh, you don't? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, all righty then. No, I know you do. All right. I know you want to live in peace and joy. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Are you a little shell-shocked from this? Is that what's going on here? Or, or maybe you just your blood sugar is really low and you're hungry. I don't know. But hang with me here. I want to close the deal for you. I know that you want to have peace and joy. And the way you get it is start by accepting Christ as your Savior. If you've never given your life to Christ, I mean really given your life to Christ, all right? Not just that you said the sinner's prayer, but I mean, are you a disciple? Are you following him? Okay, that's important. Because you can talk about Jesus all day long, but until you are, you, you've given your life to him, and until you've invited him into your life, and you're living in such a way that, man, he is, he's your best friend. I mean, he, you're a partner with him. And, and, and it's like, this is just an extension of, and heaven is just an extension of, of what's already begun here. That's important. Okay? That's important, Christian. And then next, are you, are you submitting your will to him? You know, in Romans chapter 12, God says, do not can be, Paul is saying by the Spirit of God, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. All right? He says, you want to know the will of God for your life? Don't conform to that. But let that word of God come inside you, richly set you free. It's just where it begins, without question. So, folks, I want to take you, I'm going to take you to the water. It's your choice to drink it. Now, today I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask for God's sustaining grace for you. So, because can, can God do a miracle and heal a soul like that? He sure can. I've seen it happen over and over again. And I'm going, hallelujah, that saved me about 150 hours of counseling. Hallelujah. He can. But sometimes it is in the journey that God wants to teach us. And if that's you, then you need to come to this Freedom Weekend because we'll help you take the next step. In fact, we will give you enough biblical knowledge that, man, you'll be loaded for bearing, ready to really move forward in God. But right now, let's go get some sustaining grace. Amen? Let's do it. Let's stand up this morning. You've been listening to Valley's Podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 8.30, 10, or 11.30 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.